Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Raphael Jukovin. How are you doing, Raphael? I'm doing well, Sam. How are you? Yeah, all good, thank you. Jake Smalley, how are you doing, Jake? I'm good, just sporting my uh, winning shirt today. Uh, nobody can see it, but it's there anyway. <laughs> yeah, Jake's proudly wearing his Inter shirt. Uh, and, of course, Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco? I'm good, thanks, Sam. I'm pleased to be here. Excellent. Um, okay, well, one place to start. I guess we could start with a couple of different things, actually. But seeing as we've got Jake on the show, we're going to start with Inter winning their first title in 11 years. Uh, they won 2-0 this weekend against Crotone. Um, another clean sheet for them, and this has been common throughout the second half of the season. Jake, would you say, from an Inter perspective, that has been the difference maker in this second half of the season, just how well they have defended as a team? Yeah, I think definitely so. I think earlier on in the season, you saw a little bit of transitioning defence. You had players like Kolarov getting some minutes, and I think it was almost after the Champions League exit that Antonio Conte realised, look, we can play Bastoni, we can play Skriniar, we can play De Vrij every single game. And every single game that they've played, they've looked in no worries at all in terms of conceding goals. And you'd be hard-pushed, I think, in Europe to find a better defensive sort of lineup. They're, they're really, really strong. I think that's been massively key. But I think, to be honest with you, I think it's been a little bit of belief that's sort of driven them over the line in the end. I think we had a really key spell just after Christmas. We played Juventus, Lazio, Milan in a really short spell. And they came out of that with maximum points. And that's given them the belief. And I think you could probably argue this last six, seven weeks have been a bit tired, but they just know how to win these games now. That They're a really strong unit. And I think you can definitely put that down to the influence of the manager. I think he's really sort of galvanised the squad. He's made them all feel important, he's already said, uh, in these last few days. It's a title win. He's going to give some of the fringe players a go in these last few games because they've sort of earned it by being part of that squad. And I think that's key. I think the defence has been important. I think, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's been it's been vital having such a strong backline. But I think the key to their success recently is just that confidence. And it's it's down to the management of the team. They've been, you know, coached into a setup that works. I think as well since that Champions League exit, they've gone to a more rigid sort of three-five-two rather than a three-four-one-two, and that's really helped as well. Strongest eleven. You know, they've been helped by not having many injuries. Um, you have players like Brozovic, Barella, Lukaku surviving 10 games on that sort of fit looking before they get that fifth yellow card. That was helpful as well. But you can just you can pinpoint the title win to certain occasions. And for me, that the main part of that is that January stint and the way they performed in that um, run of fixtures. That's what won them the title again and believe they could carry it on. And they've almost been just sort of going into games these last few weeks, just nicking a goal and just seeing it out. And that you could definitely put down the fact they've got such a strong defence and they can do that as well. Yeah, as you, as you mentioned there, that, that back three of Skriniar, De Vrij and uh, Bastoni have stuck together throughout most of the second half of the season. Um, just heading into the final weeks of the season, Raphael, it seems quite likely that one of those three is probably going to get Serie A Defender of the Year. Would you say any, any of the three sort of stand out above the rest? I know it's been quite a team display from all of them but I'm thinking maybe perhaps Milan Skriniar given that he had some difficulties uh, fitting into Conte's system last year Yeah I would agree with Skriniar actually I think um, obviously all three deserve a, deserve a shout they've all been exceptional exception, except well especially in this uh, sort of second half of the season but um, I think Skriniar the way he's sort of come back from you know, being benched uh, at the end of last season, you know, having having a lot of crit criticism aimed at him, having a lot of um, you know, a lot of doubts cast over whether whether he was right for Inter. Um, you know, the way he's come back from that and really, you know, put in put in some excellent performances this season. I think that alone might just give him just give him a bit of an edge over the the other two, but obviously. I think in terms of you know, in terms of individual quality, in terms of performances alone, I think all three are on on the same level. So it'll be interesting to see how you know if Inter can, can sort of build a, a dynasty really based on based on those three, based on that defense, in the same way that Juventus did. Yeah, and you're linking in quite nicely there for me actually, because um, you know I've seen obviously the last couple of days. Uh, 
sort of there's, there's been some comparisons. You know, th- this Inter team has had its criticism. You know, we're we're in uncharted times with with no fans this season. There's also been talk of how going out of Europe early helped them. But Francesco, what do you think? How does this Inter team compare to the ones we've seen from Juventus that have won it the last nine years on the trot uh, before this year? I think if this Inter side had been around at this level in the last nine years, then Juve wouldn't have won as many titles. Um, But I probably still think that the best Juve sides that we've seen in the last decade are a little bit better than this Inter side. Not by a long way, but, you know, the teams that got to the Champions League finals, I think the team as well in between those two Champions League finals, um, that kind of three-year stint when I think under Allegri they were really at their very best I think that Juve side is probably a little bit better than this Inter side but you know if if Inter had been this good in the last nine seasons then I definitely think that they would have shared a, a few of those Scudetti between them. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, just last thing I want on Inter, uh, I'll come to you Jake for this. Do you think there's any chance Conte walks away having won the Scudetto or do you think he definitely carries on last year? Obviously, the end of last season, there were, you know, it seemed he was on the brink of leaving. He decided to stay on. He's delivered them the title. There's been talks today that Tottenham have actually reached out to him. Um, you know, maybe that's a bit of a stretch for them. But what do you think? Any chance he goes? Uh, I think, like you say, 12 months ago, it looked like it was on the cards, but I don't think so now. I think he'll be quite keen to get this uh, almost European monkey off his back a little bit. I think the fact that he's won the title now is um, something that he definitely wanted to achieve last year. I think if he'd have won the title, there wouldn't really have been much talk about him leaving at all last summer. Uh, I think the fact that he ended up sort of trophyless last year. And as well, you've got to look at the financial situation at the club, I think. Nobody's really come out and said what that's going to be like next season. And, you know, Conte does need backing, does need some support. He's a fantastic manager and he can get a lot out of certain players. You've seen that with Darmian, even Ashley Young to an extent sometimes. He's sort of transformed Christian Eriksen in the back half of the season. But he does need some money to sort of take that team on further, I feel. I think you've got a really strong start 11 of players. But then when you sort of maybe a few injuries start to hit, which they haven't had this year, we've seen that. You know, in this country, Liverpool, as soon as a few injuries start to hit, a few injuries hit into next year, Lukaku gets injured, De Vrij gets injured, Varela gets injured. They've got a real problem, you know, and if they want to compete on both fronts in Europe and compete in the league, they need some stronger depth into their squad. Players like Galliardini are not good enough. Ashley Young will leave. Looks like Alexander Kolarov's going to leave as well. Those players aren't good enough. Even Vidal, you could argue, is not good enough either. So they could do with four or five players boosting that squad. I think if Conte knows... He's going to get that. I don't think there's any question about whether he'll stay. And I think he really wants to prove himself. He's been quite outspoken recently, saying you know, he's done an excellent job um, with this inter-side. It's his best achievement. So I think he'll want to go one further and try and have them compete in Europe. And if they can back him right, keep this team together, keep them all fit, I think they will compete in Europe next season. Maybe not win it, but they'll definitely reach the knockout stages, which should be success to them. They've not managed that yet, so they'll be back in the Champions League. So... Always interesting to see how a side looks to strengthen when they've won a title. You can't rest on your laurels these days, that's for certain. But uh, with Antonio Conte, a massive personality, and that brings us on to another manager. Uh, Back in Syria after 11 years away, Jose Mourinho will be joining Roma. That came out of the blue a bit, Raphael. What, What are your thoughts on that appointment? I mean, I'm going to take a bit of a cynical look at this and say that you know, the the massive tax break that Mourinho is going to get from this might have been the main sort of motivator behind it. Um, I think, so I, re- I read up on it, he's going to earn, so his contract at Roma is going to be three years, seven million euros, but he's, he's going to pay half of the tax rate on that. And on top of that, he's going to pay nothing from the, uh, from the rest of his Spurs contract as a... Um, his foreign income doesn't get taxed in the first two years in Italy. It's quite quite a lucrative deal for Mourinho, you know. Aside from the uh, aside from the sporting sporting aspect, I think apart from that, apart from that, it's a very interesting appointment because 
obviously it's a massive statement from the uh, from the, the Roma ownership. We haven't we didn't really see them, you know, take centre stage a lot since they since they took over. And clearly, I think mean, now they've sort of come out and they've said, you know, our first. I mean, I mean they've been there a year now. Um, the first year hasn't really been hasn't really been successful. There's we yeah, they haven't really shown their faces a lot. I mean, now they've come they've come up and they've just. They've sort of decided, yeah, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna take the reins. We're gonna impose our own project, and I think Mourinho as a choice is an interesting one because I think you, Fonseca is a very good coach, but he, he does come off as a bit of a nice guy, which might not be the best. Um, well, especially for especially for a club like Roma. Because you, you've got that, you've got that famous ambiente romano, that that Rome environment where all of the press and all of the fans in Rome have, have put so much pressure on the on the manager and on the on the players. And I think, you know, whoever takes charge at Roma needs to be, you know, needs to have a strong personality. Needs to be able to withstand that. And I think Mourinho is uh, that kind of character. You know, he's if any if anyone can take can take that much pressure from the media and from from fans it's 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 a guy like Marino he can deflect the attention onto him and away from the players or away from the club in general so I think on that front I think it's probably the perfect appointment on um you know in terms of in terms of the way he's going to get the team to play I mean, it's 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 hard to say because I, you'd imagine there's going to be a bigger there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of incomings this 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 window. As you'd imagine, he'd, he'd have got some sort of assurances in terms of players that he can bring in. He's going to bring in some of his favourites, I'd imagine. Um, I think I saw um, I, think I saw room of Eric Dyer potentially, which would be an interesting one. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, what I mean, what's uh, what's definitely you know what's sure is that he's gonna he's gonna spice things up next season. It'll be a very interesting. Uh, very interesting to watch his press conferences. Yeah, he's certainly always a big personality. Have you you got anything to add on on his appointment, Jake? Yeah, I, I think it's really good for the league. I think as much as anything else, if you look at the potential calibre of managers that could be in the league next season, you've got Conte into Milan, you've got um, Juventus potentially changing managers. I could see Allegri come back in. You know, Maurizio Sarri's out of work. There's rumours of him returning to Napoli, Fiorentina, Gattuso. You'd imagine to be in a job next season. So Spalletti coming back in, there's some really, really good managers who could be managing in Syria next season. And I think we're starting to get to a point now potentially where, you know, you've got some really strong players playing out here in the prime, players like Lukaku, you know, Ronaldo's moved over here, Ericsson chose to leave Spurs to come over here. You've got some quite strong teams in there. You know, Atalanta's done well getting in Europe these last few years, witnessing a little bit of a buzz in Italian football perhaps we've not seen for the best part of a decade now so it's a really exciting time I think to be following Italian football I think next season it'll be a really really key season you know if teams can do well in Europe it might start to attract a few more players and things so there's only good things um, I think that can happen from this um, for Mourinho I think he'll be a little bit out of the spotlight so I think he won't get a massive mention you know as much what he would have done in England I don't think the Italian press will hound and murder him like the English press have and you know with Roma if he gets into the top four he's done well and they've not been a million miles off of points this year so if he can bring a few players in you know, it could be quite successful as well. Rome Ralph had a massive sort of fire sale these last few years. It's easy to forget. Allison, uh, Stella, even Yangalan when before he went to winter, you know, Totti retiring. They've gone through a mass period of transition. Antonio Rudiger, players like that, who were key players. And this, the team's quite weak compared to what it was at that point. So maybe if he's got that promise of funds, I think he could be quite successful. And I hope he is. Um, I, I feel a bit for Mourinho sometimes. I think he gets a bit of a hard time. I think maybe perhaps his best days of management are behind him, but let's not forget what he's won as a manager and it might be a really good fit. And the Roman fans will love him forever if they are as well. Yeah, certainly going to be very interesting to see how it pans out. Just looking at Fonseca though, and you know, at times Roma have looked pretty decent this year and they were in the top four pretty much all season up until about March. I know, Francesco, that you've always had concerns about the strength of their squad, but why do you think it's sort of fallen away so alarmingly in the last sort of six weeks? Obviously, we saw Europa League last week. They were thrashed by Man United and then lost in the league to Sampdoria this past weekend. 
Yeah, I think <clears throat> that partly in the last few weeks, they have been distracted by the Europa League. Um, I think when it became clear that they were going to struggle to get into the top four, that became their main focus. And I agree with you that, that Fonseca, I think he's a smart guy. I think he's done some things well. But I also think that he showed a, a bit of naivety at times. I think especially in that game last week against Manchester United, you know, to concede five goals in the second half there after, after actually doing a pretty good job in the first half, it showed that he maybe needs a little bit more cynicism. And um, maybe that is the kind of thing that Mourinho can also bring. I think one of the things that Roma have lacked is, is defensive solidity. And I think Mourinho's best sides have that as a trait. They, they're normally very solid. Um, I agree with the other guys. I think it's a good, a good thing that Mourinho's coming to the league. I think he is box office. I'm not sure his football is, but him as a personality definitely is. Um, I mean, you can see today already that I think Roma shares went up by about 25% after they announced him. Uh, so he is the kind of guy that, that brings interest to the league. Um, the, the only other thing I'd say about Mourinho is when he's done his best work, the question mark I have about him going to Roma is when he's done his best work, it's normally been when he's been at the biggest club in the league who've had the best team. So if you think about Porto, if you think about Inter at the time when he was there, they, they definitely had the strongest sides in their league. And so he was able to win the league. And then he, he coupled that with really impressive cup runs. Um, and with Roma, he's going to be in a slightly different situation. He's going to be more like the Tottenham situation where he's not the out-and-out best side in the league. And so he's going to have to have to probably, um, you know, he's going to he's going to need to overachieve almost in the league to, to get into the top four. Um, and I think that's going to be interesting. But as a whole, I think uh, Mourinho is a good addition to Serie A. And um, I think there's potential for him to do well. Yeah, I've seen some people saying that Roma are sort of the Italian Spurs uh, in terms of, I think both sides haven't won a major trophy since 2008, both in similar positions in their league. So it will be interesting to see if he can do a better job than than he managed at Tottenham. But um, yeah, we're now going to move into that, that sort of top four battle that again took a few twists and turns this weekend. Um, and, and we had Atalanta, first of all. They're, they're still in that top four. They got a draw against Sassuolo. Come to you first, Raphael, on this one. Um, how do you assess this result for Atalanta? They went down to 10 men early on, but then it was one all. They got Sassuolo down to 10 men and then missed a penalty. So was, was this a missed opportunity for you or, or a decent point in the end? I think it's encouraging in the sense that they, they performed well when they were down to 10 men. And they probably looked likelier to win the game when they were when they were down to ten against eleven at least. So, uh, in a way, it, it is a missed opportunity. I think, yeah, Muriel's penalty was a uh, was the opportunity, especially like he slipped right after it was saved, and he if he hadn't slipped, it would have been an open net after the uh, after the save. So it's just fine margins, but I think on the whole. I've, I've, to be honest, I think they're going to be they're going to comfortably finish second anyway. Even if they have dropped down to to being level on points with the rest for now, I think they've got the best chance of you know finishing above the the, the rest of the pack right now. So I don't think there's there's too much cause for concern. I think on the whole, it was you know it was a good performance. There's obviously there is that concern with um, with Golini, you know, where whether you know whether the fact that he is so error prone means so they might have to they might have to make a decision over the summer, but I think that's just I think that's generally a you know a hallmark of Atalanta's defence anyway. You know, usually when we talk about Atalanta's defenders or you know it's that a lot of the focus is on their attacking qualities as well. You know, we don't you know we praise Atalanta you know. A lot of their charm comes from the fact that they are so going gung ho, and then you know we're not really we're not really looking for uh, for defensive stability. So yeah, I think I think I think Asperini's just going to carry on until the rest of the season with the same sort of uh, same sort of tactics really that they've uh, they've been using for throughout the season, and I think they'll 
pretty comfortably finished second. Yeah, they've still got um, two of the bottom three to face, I believe. So that that's certainly in their favour. Um, we, we've spoken in the past about the strength and depth that Atalanta have in attacking positions. And also their defence has stepped up at times this year with Romero and Jim City making improvements. Um, but yeah, Jake, do you feel that the goalkeeping position is one that needs to be looked at this summer for them? Gasparini's tried Golini and Sportiello. Neither have been particularly convincing, though. It was a strange one, really, because a couple of years ago, you had Sportiello's first choice. They went out on loan, he went to Frosinone, went to Fiorentina. He's come back and he's played Champions League this season. Um, I think it's probably one area that, for me, they lack quality. I think if you look at other areas of their team, Royal and Derome, they're playing very well. Romero, they could get into most um, top flight sides, you know, even top four sides. Teams like Milan that you could get in there as well. But the goalkeeping department, somewhere where they're quite weak, um, it's it's a bit harsh, but someone like Gallini, he was a reserve goalkeeper at Aston Villa prior to him sort of coming over here. He, he struggled a little bit to adapt to English football. Sporty Alakas has been really in and out. So if they're serious about maintaining this run as being a top four Champions League outfit, he's going to challenge for the title because, you know, if they could start the season better... You know, they could really mount a title uh, a title challenge, I, I think. So I think there was a chance for it this year if they could have started better. So, you know, they're not short of money either. And they might, now that they're sort of a bit more established in Europe, be able to attract a decent goalkeeper as well. So if I was them, I'd be looking at trying to sign a better goalkeeper. And I think a bonus is goalkeepers are not massively that expensive on the market. If you're a top-tier goalkeeper, you know, maybe. But... Um, I, th- I think they should be looking to strengthen the goalkeeping department. It seems like defensively, they sort of learned the lesson a little bit. They're playing a back four a little bit more these days as well. Um, but that goalkeeping position, it does it does worry me from, from their point of view. I think it's uh, a problem. The two names I've seen flying around in terms of uh, in terms of rumours have been Buffon and Perrine, which I'm not going to lie, it would, be, it would be very interesting if they did sign Buffon because... It's not really. Uh, it, it would be. It would be unexpected, but clearly, it'd be a quality signing. And I think, you know, one, considering one they are going into, yeah, exactly. I think, think he'll be a good player in time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but to yeah, be fair, should be, should be interesting. Yeah, I think yeah. If if they if they are mounting a sort of Europe, more serious European campaign, then you know Buffon's experience can do can do any harm. I don't really share your, you know, you guys' pessimism for Gallini. I think he's he's okay. I think he's more than okay. I think he's had a an okay season. I, I, you know, he made a mistake this weekend, but I don't feel that Atalanta have a have a massive need to change their goalkeeper. Um, I think what what Rafael just said about Buffon that's interesting because I think you know if you bring someone like Buffon into the club, you you bring a bit of experience as well. Possibly something they lack lack especially in Europe, um, and so I could see why that that could um, be an interesting addition. But I think Golini is is an okay keeper, and um, I think the main concern if I was Atalanta going into the transfer window is keeping hold of the of the players that they already have. Um, I think Hatterbor has been making some noises this week about how he doesn't know where he's going to be in the future. Um, and, uh, you know, if you think about Gozens, he scored again this this weekend. That's 10 goals and six assists this season. Last year, it was nine and eight. I mean, he's been the best left-sided player in Serie A for a couple of seasons. He's so consistent. He's such a good player. And I think for Atalanta, it's more about keeping hold of those kinds of players. Um, that'll be the big challenge in the transfer window this summer and probably more important than, than picking out a new goalkeeper. Yeah, I think Gossens has been linked with Leicester and into Milan um, in, the, in the last couple of weeks. So it, it will uh, be fascinating to see whether he does stick at Atalanta because I, I agree with you. I think he's been the best, the best left wing back um, for the last couple of years. The Gallini one, it fascinates me. I, I also think he's he's decent, but I, I was stunned when he didn't play in that second leg against Real Madrid in the Champions League. Um, so it just suggests that Gasparini doesn't fully trust him. And, and after mistakes like this weekend, perhaps that indicates why. But um, 
we'll move on from him and we'll, we'll move on to Juventus, who moved level with points with Atalanta. Two late goals to rescue a 2-1 win against Udinese. Um, I'll, I'll stick with you, uh, Francesco, for this one. Um, with, with, with Juventus... It was, it was obviously a huge result and massive celebrations um, when Ronaldo scored that second goal. But are they simply papering over the cracks at the moment? Um, I think maybe a little bit they are, but also it doesn't really matter. <clears throat> I think the main thing for them now is just... <clears throat> excuse me. Just getting over the line and getting into that top four. Um, I think when Agnelli was announcing the Super League and saying that it would guarantee that big clubs would play in the biggest European competition, I don't think he was thinking that Juve would go on to exemplify why that competition needed to happen by not qualifying for the Champions League. It seems crazy that they wouldn't be in there. And um, yeah, for them now, it's just about getting in that top four and it doesn't matter how it happens. It doesn't matter if they play rubbish and Ronaldo gets the goals for them. And you know, they are still in a, in a really tricky situation. I think they've got the toughest run in. Um, they've got a huge game against Milan next in the middle of this run. And they've also got the Italian Cup final against Atalanta. And um, I've also seen some rumours this week that, that Inter are going to be resting their players leading into the Juve match so they can play the strongest team against Juve. I don't think they're going to make it easy for them at all. So, yeah, I think Juve have got work to do. And... Like I said, it doesn't really matter if they're papering over the cracks. The main thing for them is just getting into that top four. That's the only thing that matters. In a way, even though their, their performance wasn't great this weekend, it was actually a pretty good weekend for them because both Napoli and Atalanta dropped points. So all things considered, it's actually a, a good weekend for them. But yeah, they, they have work to do. Yeah, we saw, um, obviously... Uh, Juventus were losing that game going into the last 10 minutes um, and then got a penalty uh, given away by Rodrigo De Pau. Um, he's been linked with Juventus. Do, do you think he possibly could be playing for them next year, Raphael? Or I think he's also been linked with <clears throat> Inter and Leeds. So what, what do you think with De Pau? Will he finally move on next year? I mean, I don't think there's a link between him giving away the penalty and being linked with Juventus. No, but, I wasn't getting at that. I, uh, <laughs> I was just linking into how he played in the game. But uh, no, he, I, I don't think he gave away the penalty deliberately. I'd, I'll add that in, yeah. But, but what about his not. future? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it would be a great it would be a great addition for Juventus, especially considering you know, their midfield has probably been the weakest department this uh, this season, or at least the most disappointing. I think you've had um, you know, they've brought in, you know, players who who have been world class in the past, like like Arthur, who haven't really lived up to, to expectation this season. And I think um, you know, a midfield player, uh, you know, central midfield player like De Paul, who drives play forward and really takes the initiative, is something that something that they need right now. They need a sort of a catalyst to to. You know, get that get that link between the, the midfield and the and the attack. So, I think yeah, the would be a very you know step forward for Juventus in terms of signings. I think if you add him into the mix, then they've got a very good. You know, all things considered, they've got a very good midfield selection anyway. And I think under a different manager, those same players would probably play for play a lot better. So if you add Interpol into the mix, then I think they'd be set. Yeah, we'll, we'll be interested to see um, Juventus' transfer business this summer. Um, and of course, the, the team that's also just moved back into the top four uh, is Milan. Um, they won 2-0 against Benevento, fairly comfortable. Um, Jake, what, what are your thoughts on Milan? Because they, they had a horrible performance last week against Lazio to move out of the top four for the first time this season. Um, but they, they looked a bit better this week. How, how do you feel Milan are getting on now? Uh, in With all due respect, I don't think they could have had an easier game. Uh, I think Benevento... Is one win in 18 now, away at Juventus, granted. But they've been really, really poor of late. I think it's a pretty easy game for them. Probably the best game they could have had uh, on the back of that game against Lazio. I think it's fair to say as well, Lazio played really well in that game. Uh, I think they shut down Milan perfectly. I don't think it was necessarily that Milan were that bad. Um, I think the thing that concerns me the most is it looks like the wheels are coming off. You know, there's a few things that have been said between Ibrahimovic and Chalanoglu, some childish behaviour 
um, on the latter's part there, Instagram-wise. And we've seen this happen before with uh, Stefano Pioli when he went into Inter Milan. Granted, over a shorter period, he was really, really strong. You know, they looked really unbeatable. And then as soon as a couple of losses came in, the wheels just came off completely. And there is a danger that that could happen, um, I think. It's a tough one because they, they've overachieved massively this season. To get into the top four will be a real success. But if the manner of the performances don't improve, they end up finishing fifth or sixth this season, which is possible. You know, could we see uh, Ralph Rangnick come in and replace Stefano Pior? That'd be really strange, wouldn't it? But no, I think it's it's a bit of a strange scenario at the moment. I think, you know, we've got to look at it for what it is. Although they were top of the league just over two months ago and have had a real drop-off. As long as they finish in the top four this year, it's been a decent season. It's just that sort of squad harmony that I worry for, I think, going forward and whether the manager's got it in him to sort of regroup them to start next season in a similar vein to where they started this one. Yeah, you, you alluded there. Um, uh, just going to come to you, Francesco. <coughs> uh, Jake alluded there to the falling out between Ibrahimovic and Chalanolu, um, with Chalanolu, I think, unfollowing Zlatan on Instagram. Um, there's also been talk uh, of Donnarumma in conversation with the Milan Ultras and was left in tears. They were saying he shouldn't play this weekend against Juve unless he signs a contract. Do you think all of this behind-the-scenes stuff is going to affect Milan or can they possibly pull it together for these final sort of two or three weeks of the season? Yeah, I think um, in a way this, this could help. But I also don't think it's a big deal. I think, uh, you know, the Instagram stuff is, is not a big deal. And I'd, I'd be surprised if it affected Ibra's performance or Channel Logney's performance going forwards. I think with Donnarumma, they're starting to feel resigned that he's going to leave anyway. And it could be that he's upset by, by what the Ultras have said about him. But, you know, uh, I, I can't think that he's surprised that that's happening because of the way things have played out. Um, and I actually, for the first time in a, in a long time, feel a bit more optimistic about Milan. I think I know that Benemetto have been on a terrible run, but it was a solid performance. I think after the Lazio game, I, I felt like that was game over for them. But this victory has, and, and the fact that other teams drop points means they're back in the top four, it's back in their hands. And also, it feels like for the first time in a long, long time, they have a fully fit squad. Um, I think they basically played their best team on, on uh, I can't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday night, but they played their best team this weekend. And um, Channel Oglu scored, um, Teo Hernandez scored, you know, two of their most important players. Ibrahimovic is back. And they go into this big game against Juve now in a, in a decent situation, knowing that if they win, they, they put themselves in a, in a great position in terms of qualifying for the top four. So, you know, I think they, they can definitely put all this other stuff to one side for that game and they should definitely be doing that. And the fact that they go into that game with a fully fit squad, you know, it's making me feel more positive about Milan than I have for a while. I'm still not sure at all that they're going to qualify for the top four. I think if I had to put money on it, I'd probably say no. But, um, but you know, I think they have a real chance. And, um, yeah, it was a good win. And I think all that other stuff, doesn't really matter too much at this stage of the season. This, uh, you know, I think they're going to be up for the game against Juve. The reason they're back into the top four, of course, is because Napoli conceded a late equaliser against Cagliari on Sunday. Um, this was a huge game at both ends of the table. Uh, Napoli now dropped to fifth place. Um, Raphael, we've seen this a few times with Napoli this season. I remember losing at home to Spezia um, and, and a couple of other results, particularly at home, that have gone against them. Um, I don't know, is, is it a mentality thing with them um, conceding sort of these late goals and sloppy goals, or, or do you give full credit to Cagliari? Uh, obviously, Cagliari deserve credit, yeah. But at the same time... You know, it is baffling that Napoli didn't finish off at least one of their chances that they had after the initial, the initial goal. I think once um, once the seamen scored the first goal, you would have thought it'd be, you know, the floodgates would open. And in terms of chances, it did. Um, they, they had a few. Uh, I think they had a few open goal misses. Lozano with a header, uh, or Seaman with another header after that. And yeah, I think it was partly luck, partly partly mentality as well. I guess. You know, the fact that they they haven't been able to sort of put together 
a consistent winning run or a consistent run where they make the most of these these good performances because they played well, but yeah, they weren't able to capitalize on it. And obviously, full credit to Cagliari, who clearly have stepped up in these last few weeks to sort of lift themselves out of a out of what looked like a pretty pretty bad situation. So yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think Napoli on paper look like they're gonna they have they have a very straightforward running, I would say. So you, I would probably I would bet on them to to finish in the top four as the way the way things are going and the way they're playing. Obviously, that depends on them, you know, converting their chances. But you know, we saw we saw again some of the combination play. You know, going forward, they they have been devastating this season, especially in the latter half of the season. So I think that there's not too much to worry about for Napoli. They just you know they just need to maybe maybe put in a bit more finishing practice. Yeah, it's it's, it's been quite similar to Atalanta at times actually in recent weeks as well with the amount of misses that they're having um i remember watch i watched the torino game the previous week and that ended two nil but they could really have had five or six in that as well um jake from a calorie point of view um a few of their players really stepping up now. Nandez uh, getting the late equaliser this weekend. Also, we've seen Jao Pedro and Pavoletti stepping up. They're now a point clear of the relegation zone. So, obviously, we can't say that they're definitely going to be safe. But in your opinion, will they just have enough to stay up? It's a really tough one, really, because when you look at it on paper, there's no way they should be down there. And that's been commented on quite a little bit, but there's just a part of you for some reason that doesn't want a team like that to get relegated. You look at the stars in the team, Diego Godin, Nandes, who you just mentioned, Yangalam, Pavoletti, you know, Daniel Rugani's there as well, Cranio in goal. They've got a brilliant team, a team that should be finishing the top 10. You could argue in some parts of that squad, man-to-man, man, they're better than Sassuolo and Verona, who are eighth and ninth. So there's absolutely nowhere they should be down there. And I'm a big fan of Semplici. He, he created a real fighting spirit at Spal and sort of dragged them through games. And he seemed to do that initially, and then he seemed to fall away. And I'm quite shocked he managed to grab them back and galvanise them. And for me, based on current form, they're going to be the team that are going to survive. I can see Benevento being the one that slipped down. But, you know, Spezia not 100% safe. Even Gerard and Fiorentina are not miles off. So if they can win a couple of their next remaining games, it could be massively interesting uh, down there. But I'd be happy to see them survive just because I don't want to see a team like that get relegated for some bizarre reason, even though it's, you know, doesn't really make sense to say that, but it just, they're too good to go down on paper. So it just won't be right. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk a bit more about the relegation battle in just a, just a few moments, but uh Final team who can make the top four, and they're making a real good go of it, uh, are Lazio. I think they've won 11 games on the trot at home now, Francesco. Uh, they won 4-3 this weekend. Um, you, I think you've been quite firm throughout that you don't think they are going to get top four. But are you perhaps getting more convinced, a, a bit like with Milan, uh, that they could do it? Um, and also, are, are Lazio the most entertaining side to watch in Serie A right now? Um yeah, I, uh, I mean, I don't know about, I don't know if they are the most entertaining. Their, their matches are definitely entertaining, um, but I do feel like they have a chance of getting to the top four, which is something I, I haven't thought, you know, basically all season. Um, they because they've got this game in hand against Torino, they're, they're not going to play anyone else in the top four. So I think you know that they've got a chance of finishing with with a load of points and. It's, re it's really difficult to work out if it's in their hands or if it's not in their hands because I think there's scenarios where more than three teams, you know, I think four teams could finish on the same amount of points and then it goes down to, you know, head-to-heads and all that kinds of stuff. But but it's definitely in their hands for them to, to, to get into that kind of scenario and that they have winnable games. Um, you know, they've got Fiorentina, Parma uh, and Sassuolo and in, in the middle they've got the Rome derby as well, which should be interesting. Um, I still think that they probably won't finish in the top four. Um, I think the, the other sides are, are more likely to pick up the points. But um, I think this does underline what a good job that Simon Inzaghi has been doing. Uh, for me, Lazio's uh, squad is, is probably the seventh best in Serie A, I'd say. And um, yeah, he's still 
you know, with just a few games to go left in the season, he's still fighting for for a place in the Champions League. And following on from last season, which was, you know, such a good season for them again, you know, they did a good job in Europe this season. So I think he deserves a lot of credit, arguably the most impressive performance from a manager this year in the division. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think in the end they're probably going to miss out, but yeah, it's, it's impressive that they're still in the fight with so few games to go in the season. Yeah, still still right amongst it. And as you say, not the worst run in at all. Um, with regards to Genoa, they battled back really well. 4-1 down at one point, but got it back to 4-3 and weren't far away from nicking a point in the end. I think they're five points clear of relegation. We spoke about this last week, Raphael. I think everyone thought they were probably just about going to be all right. Are you still feeling that way or is it a little bit worrying that they're sort of you know, they, they, they were really good uh, for a couple of months, but they sort of seem to have fallen away a little bit again in recent weeks. I think it's a case of, you know, they might not have the best points tally, but there's just too many teams between them and them in the relegation zone for them to really be a risk. I think they'll, they'll probably be safe. Um, you know, if a team if, if a team that's near the relegation, well, that's in the relegation zone right now, will, you know, makes a... Makes a Suddenly, has a resurgence, then they're not going to be the ones to to get dragged down. I mean, you you look at their you look at their running as well. They've got they've got Cagliari on the final day, but you know Bologna, Sassuolo as well. They're not overwhelmingly difficult games. You consider the fact that there's well, there, there might still be something at stake for Sassuolo this season, but overall, I don't I don't think they'll they'll be in too much trouble. And I think the fact the fact that they you know they fought back at the weekend against Lazio shows that they they have still got some fight in them. It's not going to be they're not going to be stuttering to to the end of the season. So yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not too worried about them. Yeah, well we, we, we'll have to see on that. Um, but a, a couple of teams um, who we might be more worried about. Well, one team we now know are definitely going down to join Crotone in in. Serie B next season and that's Palmer um bit of a shame actually given you know given their history in Syria but um Palmer lost on Monday night to Torino 1-0 and that did confirm that they've gone down um and Torino are now actually I think three points clear of relegation Jake what, what are your feelings I, I think you aren't the biggest fan of Torino and I also know that you've got a soft spot for Palmer so so how do you feel about that whole situation uh, I'm a bit disappointed for Palmer. I think it's just like you mentioned that history of that club. It's, it's a Syria club in my eyes, given the fact that you know I'm of that generation who's seen them, you know, be successful um, in the top flight. So it's a bit of a shame, and the fact that they climbed back so well as well to come back up last year. They had a good season, but the recruitment was just absolutely appalling in the summer. Um, I think getting rid of Diverso at the time wasn't a great idea. They've got him back now after some weird, bizarre Liverani experiment that didn't work at all. You know, I mean, anybody could have told you that, given the fact that, you know, his shortcomings at Lecce were the fact that they couldn't defend last season. Those same problems existed at Palmer. And when you've no striker that can score any goals, you know, Cornelius, one goal all season... It's just pathetic, really. So they deserve to get relegated. And it's a bit sad, to be honest. I'd like them to have stayed up, but they deserve to get relegated. They've got a poor side. They made some poor managerial choices throughout the season. And hopefully for them, it's a chance for them to reset. I think they could do moving a few of the players on and maybe having a bit of a fresh start. Um, and I think, to be fair, Torino have proved me wrong recently. I don't think they're a brilliant side. I think they're, they're very average. And I think they could probably do with a little bit of a sort of a spring clean in their squad as well. But, you know, I think they've benefited from teams being in bad form too. Um, but, you know, recently you can't you can't really knock them too much. And I think they're going to be one who, in the fact they've always had a game in hand recently as well, that's given them a bit of an advantage. And I think they'll stay up this season. I'll be surprised now if they get relegated. I can really see the current bottom three being the three that end up going down. I think Benevento, they're, they're the team for me that are going to drop. Yes, moment on current form, um, and it will be will be intriguing to see whether they do stick with Daversa. As you say, a year ago they did get rid of him, and it and it certainly didn't work out. He's he's now back at Palmer, but but too late to save them. Uh, we had a bit of a thriller on Sunday afternoon, um, bit of a sort of 
two two man match uh, between uh, Rodrigo Palacio and Vlahovic, uh, Francesco. About twenty years to separate the two, but uh, Palacio got a hat trick. Vlahovic got two. Um, just looking at it from Bologna's perspective, we, we've spoken quite a bit about how they've got a young squad coming through. But with Palacio there, I think he, he became the oldest player to score a Serie A hat trick this weekend. Do you think he still has a role to play going forwards? Um, yeah, I do. I think, um, you know, the age of a player doesn't really matter at all. He's obviously still doing it. He's had another solid season. You know, he's just got a hat-trick. And for me, there is no good reason to, to move Palacio on unless he wants to, to leave. Even if he doesn't play as much next season, I still think he's got, you know, he can contribute to, to Bologna's cause. Um, I think Vlaovic is... Uh, is also interesting. I don't know if he's going to stick around at Fiorentina. I think it would be great if he did. I think they are a club with potential. I, I really like their owner. I think Comisso is ambitious. He, he wants them to go places. And I don't, you know, I don't think there's any reason why Fiorentina, of all the clubs kind of in the bottom half, couldn't emerge and really fight for a European place. They, they ha- I feel like they have the history and the owner and and players as well they've got a decent squad um and i don't see why they couldn't kind of emerge and start challenging for europe um i also you know i i hope Vlaovic stays at Fiorentina. i think and um i'd also say to anyone if you haven't seen the the video of of Vlaovic and Comisso doing kick-ups between each other Comisso's like a little child when he meets Vlaovic uh, it's, uh he's actually not bad he's got some good technique and uh, i'd recommend you go and watch it it's uh it's pretty fun but yeah, um, we'll see what happens with them. On, um, to be honest, on on Palacio, I would add that you know, with that hat trick, he did quadruple his goal tally for the season. He only scored one goal before uh, before that. <laughs> so, you know, he's he's had a, he's had a decent season, and he's he's still he's still a very good player. But uh, you know, Bologna do need to do need to invest in a you know in a finisher really because they've got all these all these creative talents, um, especially especially Vignato over the over the weekend. He got I think he got all three assists for uh, for Palacio. But he's been fantastic the way the way he threads through these passes and straight to the feet of uh, of Palacio. It's impeccable, really. He's, I think mean, he's he's one to watch for for next season, especially. But generally, generally speaking, Bologna do need to do need to find a way to exploit these uh, all these talents better. And I think Palacio ne- isn't necessarily the the right you know the right person to to rely on. Obviously, I would keep him for for next season. But there is there is a, a hole in the squad which still needs to be still needs to be filled. I would say. Yeah, well, I, I think he will at least uh, still play a part in that squad. But as you say, perhaps not a guaranteed starter. And with regards to Vlahovic, um, you know, I think he's linked with pretty much every club under the sun at the moment. So I'm not convinced he will stay at Fiorentina, but uh, but he possibly could. You never know. Um, the only other game that we haven't talked about yet this weekend was Verona Spezia. Ended one all. Spezia now three points clear of the relegation zone. Jake, is that is that a good result for them against Verona, or do they really need one or two more wins um, between now and the end of the season to to definitely secure them another year in Syria? Uh, I think they could do with another couple of wins. I think to make sure. I think it's so tight at the bottom at the moment. You know, we, we've seen it throughout the season. Cagliari at one point looked dead and buried. Genoa looked dead and buried. Torino looked a bit dead and buried. And then they've gone on the road and just pulled themselves away. And with it being so tight, I think they can put it in their own hands by winning those games. Just two two more victories would just completely assert it and they'd be absolutely guaranteed safe. And for me, they deserve to stay up. I think they've showed a lot of character this season. They've put in a few really good performances, beating Milan and beating Napoli as well. So they've, they've deserved to uh, still be in with the shout as well, given the fact they've got such a small budget, you know, a side that wasn't, you know, two leagues below just a couple of seasons ago as well. So I think, um, you know, that they deserve maybe another crack at it, but to, to make sure they need to win the game. I think they might have thought they could have maybe snuck a win. Verona in shocking form. You know, they've completely fallen off a cliff um, over the past eight or nine weeks. So, 
But, you know, travelling away, there's not an, an easy place to go either. So I think they'll be a little bit disappointed they didn't get the win, but a point's better than nothing. But they just need to make sure they can get another couple of wins on the board and make sure they're safe. Yeah, sort of edging their way towards safety, but not quite there yet, you'd say, particularly, as you said, with, with sides going on runs recently. Um, OK, well, that's, that's the end of that weekend. Um, and we've got another you know, great one coming up this weekend. I think there's a couple of fixtures that we can all say stand out. But Francesco, I'll come to you first. What games are you particularly looking forward to? Um, and can I get a prediction out of you for how Juventus-Milan is going to play out? Uh, obviously, that's the... That's the biggest game of the weekend. I think if you're, you're asking me to predict, I think Juve will probably win. Um, let's go with uh, 3-1. Uh, but and, uh, and, you know, I think Milan might be able to do it. But yeah, I, I'd say Juve are the favourites. Um, the, other, the other game that I think is of real interest this weekend is Benevento Cagliari. I think this is kind of a last chance for, for Benamanto. Um, I think they need, or they at least need to draw this game. The, the, the only positive I can see for Benamanto at the moment is that they have some winnable games in their last few fixtures. They've still got to play Torino, they've still got to play Crotone already down, and they're playing Cagliari this weekend. So I think that is a massive game for them. And on the other hand, I think if Cagliari win, then they're, they're very close to being safe then. I think that's a four-point gap between them and Benamanto, I think. So that is a huge match. How about you, Raphael? Any any other games that catch your eye? And can I get a prediction out of you for Juve Milan? I'm going to go for two tool draw. I think both sides have you know they've they've got their flaws right now, and I think they've sort of, sort of uh, even even it out. Uh, in terms of in terms of other games, I think Fiorentina Lazio is a one to keep an eye out for. I think that's going to be that's going to be a goal fest, you know, especially when you consider the form of Vlahovic right now. And the uh, the goal scoring exploits of Lazio, I think, that's got the potential to be a to be a to be a high scoring thriller, especially considering the state of their defences. Yeah, I think uh, that I, I had my eye on that one as well. Actually, it's going to be really really good one for both ends of the table and two not very good defences, as you say. So I think. I, th- I think uh, over three point five in that one is quite a, quite a safe bet if you are a gambling person. Um, and Jake, how about you? And any others, or, or do you want to comment on the Juve Milan game? How, how do you see that one playing out? Well, from an perspective, the Juve Milan game doesn't really interest me. I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd not really thought about it. If I'm honest with you, it's not really relevant. Um, no, but in, in all seriousness, I think. Um, it's going to be a tight game that I think maybe a draw and I think I'm going to go with Rafael on that one. I think he won all. Um, you know, unless Ronaldo gets a penalty or gets a little bit of a moment to himself where he can sneak a win for you, I think it'll be a really tight game. But um, that Benevento game, like Francesco said, is massive. You know, given the fact they've got fixtures that they have, you know, they could really sort of pull themselves out and make it interesting. But a defeat, and they could see themselves as good as down. So it's a massive, massive game. I think from a neutral point of view, Genoa-Sassuolo might be a good game as well. That could be another game that's got a few goals in. You know, Genoa haven't given up. <clears throat> we saw that at the weekend. You know, they were hungry for goals. They, they caught Lazio napping a little bit. And Sassuolo are not 100% out of uh, Europa League contention as well, so they need to win that. So that might be quite an exciting game too. Certainly going to be another great weekend. I look forward to talking with you guys about it uh, next week. Thanks, everyone, for joining me. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you again soon. Okay, bye-bye.